Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Horning, with Reginald Andre and Randy Bryan. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to another week. We're rolling late this week, right? We're, we're, we're going live and recording on Friday. We usually do Tuesdays, but life got busy, business got busy, and we don't get paid for this, so... You know, we got to We got to set our priorities. Right. Right. Yeah. So luckily we, we, the three of us work together really well and uh, we still make time to bring this content to you. So since we do that, the only fee we ask of you, if you can help us grow the show, share the show, rate the show, um, all these things help these platforms get this content in front of other people. So even if you don't share it on your social media, just Drop in a five-star review on uh, iTunes helps us out. Um, Google Podcasts, Audible, wherever you listen to us really helps us out. And then we live stream on YouTube and Facebook. You can always just hit the click the little share button there and let people know why it's a worthwhile podcast for them to listen to. So today's show, uh, we're going to jump into a Fortune 500 service provider who got hit with ransomware and what the repercussions of that were. And it sounds a lot like Kronos, um, but it's not. And then we got two smaller ransomware events happening, and uh, we want to jump into those. It's, it's more about criminals changing their tactics versus versus it being a smaller attack. Because look, we we're very familiar with ransomware attacks, and then we hear that the the criminals are asking for millions of dollars to uh, go away or unlock the files or whatever they're demanding. Um, and we're starting to see that change at a pretty quick pace. And we're going to jump into that and let you guys know what's changing and why. And uh, we'll get into that uh, for the rest of the show. So as we get into it, this first one, I'm going to pull it up on the screen. So um, Andre, it's a Fortune 500 company. And seems like they had a little bit of a problem and now on the back side of it they're releasing information that basically is saying a lot of social security numbers were released now i just got an alert and you guys brought this to my attention uh earlier in the week i just got an alert that my social security numbers all over the dark web so i don't think it's the first time uh, that that's happened i don't care because i have credit lock on you, you're not doing anything. I like. I gotta call the company before I apply for credit, right? Because I have it locked, um, and that's how I roll. Because I know that this can happen at any point in time. And luckily for us, we have a good system where we were able to um, get an alert when that hit. And you know, I have protections in place. You know, so I won't be affected. And you know, you should definitely a have your credit. Uh, you know, checked right at all times, or at least have like a credit karma type service or some service that monitors your, your social security number on the dark web. Um, but more so if, when it does end up on the dark web, what do you do? Right. You got to lock that credit file and make sure nobody else can use it. And that's kind of where we live today. So Andre, what's going on? Who's the company involved here? Fortune 500 company, um, 500,000 social security numbers. What's happening here? Yep. So Morley Companies, they're a business that um, provides um, services to dozens of Fortune 500 companies. And they're essentially saying uh, exactly 521,000 of a mixture of their clients, a mixture of former employees, various clients, 
social security numbers, date of births, clients identifying information, uh, medical diagnostic treatment information, and health insurance information was leaked. And they're getting a lot of um, slack here because you know this happened back in August, and here we are, uh, you know, January, February, where they're just now releasing that information. They they said that it took all of this time for the security company to basically dig around and figure out exactly what happened and what was released. Yeah. And that's why Andre and I, before, since before you joined the show, Randy, I've always said that they say this stuff way too early where they say no, no personal information, no data was stolen. Nothing was released. And we, and we always say it's too early to say that because you haven't done enough analysis and it, and it took that long, as Randy said, for them to figure this out. And for a big company, it's going to take you a long time to figure out what was actually taking, be, taken because you really don't know the, how they got in. So until you know how they got in, you don't know what they took out of the network. So um, what else from this story, Randy, have, did, caught your eye? Um, well, the main thing that caught my eye, and Andre already mentioned it was the 521,000 social security numbers that, that were leaked. Um, and then the other one we are, we already mentioned also just the fact that it took, you know, six months to exactly figure out what happened, but it, but that's, that's just the way that it goes. Yeah. Um, and we got social security numbers, date of birth, client identification numbers, medical diagnostic and treatment information and health insurance information. So that's, that's a lot of damaging stuff, right? That not only can you apply for credit, you have a lot of different things going on here. You can make fake IDs with this, fake insurance IDs and show up to the doctor like you're Randy Bryan and you're not. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of different things here. So what if this happens to somebody, somebody figures out that their social security number was one of the ones uh, involved in this breach, what can they do? I mentioned... Um, you know, credit monitoring, credit locking. Is there anything else that you guys would recommend? I mean, I would definitely recommend that you have something like a password keeper that is letting you know of breaches of your information, um, similar to, you know, one of those services that you mentioned. Uh, yeah. And then I would also say you definitely need to lock your credit, lock your credit and you don't have to worry about this. Um, near as much because yeah. yeah they have your number and yes they can try to do things with it but they're going to be severely limited because your credit will be locked to them yeah i agree and then the other thing too is is like this opens the door Th these types of attacks that we're talking about where people are gathering your personal information and they're trying to piece together maybe who you are and and how they can exploit that right so they might have your social security number. They might have your address, but they're missing some other pieces that help them really steal your identity. So what I've seen, and I don't know if you guys have any other insight on this, but what I've seen is like targeted phishing attacks start happening, right? To see if they can mm -hmm. trick you into um, logging or, um, or going to a website and giving them more data that they, they can use uh, to try to, I don't know, get credit in your name, maybe try to steal your SIM card so they have control of your two-factor if you're using two-factor with text messages. A lot of these SIM swapping schemes involve 
identity theft because in order for me to call your carrier, you have to, you know, know certain information and, you know, you can gather that information on the dark web. And if there's one or two pieces that you don't have, you might be able to fish somebody to get that. So be mindful of, of phishing emails and, and what you click on and what you give your information to. Um, and, and you kind of mentioned it, but password managers, right? Don't use the same password because they can kind of use all this information to figure out maybe what password you're using, right? Um, maybe you like to use the initials of family members or maybe your own initials or some format of your initial and your birth date. And, and, they, and they mix all this data up and try to figure out passwords and, and what's known as a brute force uh, attack to guess your password and, and break in the front door. No different than trying to guess a password on, you know, like a like a padlock, right? The ones that have the numbers on it. Um, and you're trying to scroll through and guess the different combinations. And then voila, once you hit one, you're in. Um, so Andre, anything you want to add to this before we move into our next topic? Yeah, and the um, article talked about why it's so important that you have to have some type of audit control because we, of course, we don't know exactly um, this situation, but essentially, you this wasn't a ransomware where the data got encrypted. This is where the data got stolen, and for for that amount of size of people's information to get stolen, that was a big size and amount. So there's there should be controls as a business owner that monitors, um, for example, if an, if an employee or if a certain amount of data only goes through uh, certain hours and all of a sudden now there's a 30% increase, there needs to be some type of alert or some type of alarm ring saying you need to look into this. And also um, this company is doing work for Fortune 500 com uh, companies. This Again, your supply chain, who, who are you allowing access to your systems that have um, and have these sensitive information and what what measures are you making sure that they're taking to um, make sure that your information is safe because this is a downstream attack it, yes they attacked this one company but this is affecting several uh, thousands of organizations because you know um, they're using the service yeah good point good point i like it so move right along we'll go into our next topic i'm going to pull it up on the screen here and these are, in a way, these next two topics that we're going to jump into, um, and we are going to run a little bit of a of a shorter show today, um, and we're going to jump into these next two topics, and they're smaller ransomware attacks, right? So this first one, um, Randy, you brought it kind of to the table, so I'm going to kind of let you run with it, but it's this sugar ransomware attack, and... Um, Get it up here on the screen. Cute little sugar cubes here from our friends over at Bleeping Computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, basically, you know, we've been talking for months about how the the larger corporations are getting more secure. They have more money to put into it, um, and you're you're going to need to follow the money to see where the crime is going to go. And as there's less and less money. On those larger companies, you're going to see more and more crime go towards the smaller companies. And this particular um, and, and that's usually in the form of ransomware as a service. And this particular ransomware is a form of ransomware as a service. That means that some, you know, two bit thugs, if you will, um, 
pay a certain monthly amount or a certain upfront fee to get this software from some more professional criminals, if you will, um, who developed it and spent the time um, developing it. And this particular ransomware um, is targeting um, one user businesses, individual computers, you know, people that computers at home, um, rather than large corporate networks. So it's going after uh, the one-offs, um, if you will, which is the overwhelming majority of all the computers out there. Yep. So this is kind of how ransomware started, right? Um, started, they didn't realize what they had, I guess, so to speak. Um, and, you know, when you first started, when we first started seeing ransomware, it was 300, 500, 700. And there is a market here for this, right? Um, and I don't look at this any different than, you know, any industry that has pricing on the low end and pricing on the high end, right? And these guys have kind of decided that their business model is going to be, we're not going to go after the large targets. We're going to go after the small guys and we're just going to torture, you know, mom, dad, and grandmom and, you know, hit them up for 500, a thousand bucks every time we um, encrypt their family pictures, iTunes music, or, you know, whatever else they have on the computer. Um, and that's, that's really what this is. Um, so Andre, what are you thinking, um, you know, with this kind of like residential ransomware? Yeah, exactly what it is. It's, it's you know, like you said, it's it's the business model of why go, some people want to go after the big corporations, you know, big risk because you go after a big corporation, may, maybe you hit the wrong person. And now um, the U.S. government is now telling that country's government that, hey, you need to go after this guy. We know who it is. But if you hit grandma or, you know, someone's, you know, family photos and it's it's worth five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to get it back. No, they're not going to go to the police and report it. So you can have million, literally millions of these things happening every year and it goes unreported and, and they're, they're, they're making a lot of money. Yep. So um, do you guys think that this is going to be, and I guess let's just go into the next article because it kind of, kind of paints that picture um, that what we're, what we're talking about here. And that's the, this report that 82% of ransomware attacks target small businesses. And um, I th and I think why we want to highlight this is because I, I do talk to a lot of small businesses and, and there is starting to get, just based on how it's covered and what's in the news, is it, it, there's like a lot of people are starting to have a false sense of security. This won't happen to them because this only happens to big companies that have millions of dollars or have, you know, a massive... Mm -hmm. Um, cyber insurance policy behind them. Um, and, and that's not the case. And this article from techseat.co um, really highlights that and, and points it out. And then, um, you know, they're talking about a tactical shift right here that has been introduced by many ransomware gangs, which includes a deliberate attempt to extort companies that are large enough to pay big game ransom amounts. But as you said, Andre, they're... Um, you know, they're getting a lot of heat when they do this stuff. So they're changing their tactics. They're basically, you know, I know there was, an, uh, I don't know if it was this article or another article where I saw them uh, quoting a Lockbit ransomware representative. And he basically said that, um, you know, we're, we're really not like interested in going after these, these big companies anymore because, 
you know, it, it does put a lot of heat on us and it's easier just to hit a medium or small size business up for 20 or 30,000 or a hundred thousand or 200,000 than it is to ask for these, these millions of dollars. So, um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you, I, I kind of think that that's where we're going to go, um, at least in the next six to nine months from what I'm seeing, is that there's going to be this shift in who they target. And and it's not going to be um, – don't get me wrong. If they get the opportunity to hit a big company, they will. But I think we're going to see a large uptick. And I think what they're going to find, the hackers that is, what they're going to find on the flip side of this is that these companies – aren't as well protected as these bigger companies and they're easier to take down and they're, you know, therefore easier to get paid off. Thoughts? Yeah. It's interesting. If you look um, down at the attack vectors and, you know, remember that we're dealing with companies of a thousand people or less Um, currently, you know, it's a, it's a back and forth race between RDP compromise, which is remote desktop protocol and email phishing are kind of going back and forth. On the attack vectors, we know in larger companies um, that the email phishing seems to be the the like I know we read a survey um, about two months ago of a bunch of IT professionals. They were saying that it was email phishing was by far the number one. Um, this one is saying that it's kind of a neck and neck RDP compromise versus email phishing. And going back to what we said on the last um, the last little segment. Um, it's very important to have a password keeper here so you're not using a really easy to guess password. You ought to have multi-factor on, you know, your employees VPing into the office. You definitely don't want to have them RDP over the open Internet. Um, but this is still a huge thing for smaller businesses. Mm-hmm. And the article rightfully points out that, um, you know, one interesting conclusion is the dramatic and highly publicized law enforcement takedowns. So that's leading to criminal hackers not having the appetite to take out these attacks. But it's also that businesses should be aware that this is steadily, there's a steadily increasing percentage of ransomware attacks that exploit software vulnerabilities, right? So we know about these supply chain types of attacks. Um, as you can see, is indicated, you know, RDP compromise is still up there. Um, coming down, people are starting to get smart about it, right? But now email phishing is kind of is is kind of taking its place. So this is basically telling you how most people are getting attacked. And you're talking, you know, between these two, that's 60%, right? You know, one's 30, the other one's 30. And then you got software vulnerabilities, which are going up, right? So they're they're now going, okay, we can target software. And this is just going to keep going up. Mm-hmm. Right. As long as there's zero days, there's always going to be a need for cybersecurity. So until the Microsoft's and all the software vendors of the world and all the hardware vendors of the world put out stuff that doesn't have vulnerabilities, which is a very, pretty much an impossible task at this point, um, you're going to this this red line is going to continue to trend up. Hopefully RDP trends down. Um and email phishing, I don't know what it's doing. It was like up and down and up and yeah, down. Yeah, it's going back and forth. Looks like it's going to go back up. I mean, I think email phishing will be that up and down, right? Because the tactics change and the ability to get email through filters, you know, is 
successful for a little while, then the filters catch up and it's harder. And, you know, that's going to be one that always ebbs and flows, in my opinion. Um, anything out of this data, guys, before I move down? Yes. Catches your eye. Go ahead. Yeah. The, you mentioned it already. The software vulnerabilities. Um, basically, we now live in an age. If you have software you're not using on your system, just take it off. Yep. You need to patch everything that you have. Um, if you have software that, you know, they put it out in 2020, you know, 11 and they've not updated, updated it since. And you have another option. You probably ought to look at another option if possible. Um, you're right. These are these are on the rise. We've seen some of the bigger some of the bigger attack vectors recently were related to software um, like Log4j and Log4j. There's so much crap software sitting out there um, that is just on machines no one's using that, you know, has this vulnerability in it. So, so yeah, that, that one really jumped out at me, the, the, the rising software vulnerability um, attack vector. The other uh, stat here that I, that I want to point out is obviously uh, said for quarter three, and this is a 2021, about 13% of the attacks were aimed at consumer services company, while professional services accounted for 20%, almost 21%. And then you have around 10% that was the public sector. Um, so just looking at those numbers and being a student and, a, and somebody who studies these attacks and what they're doing uh, as cyber criminals, um, I'm... I'm very aware of what's going on with the public sector, but we don't hear a lot of professional services attacks happening. Right. Um, and these are the ones that are kind of swept under the rug. I think a lot um, that you don't hear about them. They're happening, but you know, they're just not publicized and they're not that big and they're not attacking companies that are critical infrastructure. Um, they're probably part of a supply chain in some way, shape or form. Um, but you, you know, these are the ones you're not hearing about and, and it's right here, right? So if 80% of the small, 80 plus 80 plus percent of small businesses are being attacked and of that 80%, you have 20% here that kind of are the, are the victims that we don't really hear about. Um, I just thought that that was an interesting stat right here in this little paragraph that was kind of tucked away in there basically, um, but that's the largest sector of, of out of the report is professional services. Um, so, you know, this is happening to companies and, you know, we run into companies all the time. We're like, well, I don't have any data. They would never come after me. And mm -hmm. that's just not the case. So anything else in this article you guys want to uh, jump into? Uh, no, only thing I was going to say is, and that's that 20% with the professional services, that's the most dangerous because that, like you said, the same people that are saying they're not going to come after me, they're the ones getting come after, but then it's not being reported, it's not going in the news. So it's like a cycle of them, the, the owner, the small business owner for that professional service just think that it's not happening to me and it's just going to continue going like that. Yep. So let's uh, wrap up our show here. we got a few minutes left. we got a question here. Uh, from a fan, what do you guys think? This is the best is the best way to monitor credit, and what are the red flags to look out for? Um, anybody want to take this one? I'm not a I'm not a I just know what to do based on my own personal 
kind of way of doing things. I'm not a credit or credit monitoring expert by any means, but what do you guys think you should be doing here? Yeah, like for me, I just like kind of what you mentioned earlier, um, Brian, just freeze the account. And, you know, anytime the social security number um, is going to be used somewhere, um, there's basically a lock and then there's like a special password or phone call that needs to be made to a 1-800 number. And then from there, it's unlocked, the transaction happens and then locks back. And that's like, what, 100, 100 bucks, $120 a year. Yep. Yeah. Um, to add on to that, you're, you probably will be a little overwhelmed at first if you sign up for credit monitoring because it's going to give all of your history of it. But I would say go lock your, um, your credit accounts. What is that? TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Go yeah. lock those right away. Sign up for the credit monitoring. Once you get over the shock of everything that's already been leaked, most likely, you know you have your credit locked, and then you've got the monitoring for new stuff and new attempts. I'd want to know when like people were trying to open credit in my name and when things were happening, so I'd kind of have a feel for what's going on. But locking your credit is probably the best thing you can do, the biggest thing you can do. Yep. I agree. Yeah, I use LifeLock. They're not a sponsor. They should be. Um, but yeah, I use LifeLock. Uh, that's what I, I like to use. I mean, I'm I don't I really don't know of any other product besides LifeLock. I, I think I've been using that for about 20 years. Um, so I would recommend LifeLock. And you know, red flags to look out for. Quite frankly, hey, you got to be monitoring that credit. I think you can do that for free with like Credit Karma. Uh, if you start seeing accounts, you know, things being, uh, what do they call that? An inquiry or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, if there's inquiries on your, it usually starts with that. You know, somebody's got to, your credit's got to be pulled. Your credit's got to be checked. Um, but it doesn't have to, because I know back in the day, you used to be able to like walk into Macy's and get a card without them checking your credit, you know? Um, so, you know, sometimes people can open credits just with your name and address, um, and it won't show up on your credit report for like smaller credit types of accounts. So, um, you know, the best thing you can do is, is lock your credit, make sure it's locked, make sure somebody can't um, apply for credit in your name. Uh, and, there, you know, it's not I guess the other thing, too, is when you become a victim, it's very you might get a lot of anxiety and things like that around. And this is no different with a cyber attack either. Um, you know, just know that time will make things pass time will make things get better. As long as you have the protections in place, you're going to be okay. Um, and you know, it's going to be annoying because you might get alerts and you might get, you know, all kinds of different things and different notifications at somebody's. Um, but as long as you have that lock in place, nothing bad is really happening. You're just being, you know, you're just getting a lot of notifications about different things that might be happening with your name or your social security number. So, all right, guys. All right. I want to be respectful of everybody's time. I know we got a busy day, so we're going to wrap it up. Any last words before we uh, we wrap it up? Uh, no, just get, you guys stay tuned. We're going to be having a cybersecurity insurance policy specialist coming up in one of these episodes. So stay tuned for that. Yep, that, and we got we got some cool things coming down the road. Um, don't want to announce them, but we got we got some things happening on this show that we're excited about, and we look forward to bringing y'all. So. Um, Steven says, thanks for the advice. You got it, Steven. Thanks for being uh, a loyal fan of the show and somebody who contributes and, and asks questions all the time. Um, and 
Y'all should be more like Steven. Share our show. Get more involved. We'd love to help you out. And uh, we'll see y'all. What? Private chat. Y'all in the private comments trying to make me laugh. All right. So we'll see you in the next podcast, guys. Take care. All right.